Welcome, I'm Eric Sean. You're listening to Riddle, the podcast, my companion series to the Fox Nation show, Riddle, the search for James R. Hoffa. Teamsters leader Jimmy Hoffa disappeared on July 30th, 1975, and our episodes detail our Fox Nation investigation of the case. With us now, Dan Aldea. Dan has been on the Hoffa beat since 1974. He wrote the landmark book, The Hoffa Wars, in 1978, and he is the most prominent Hoffa expert in the nation. We teamed up for the most recent Fox Nation investigation with Philip Moscato, son of mobster Philip Moscato Sr. He told us that his dad told him that mob hitman Sal Sally Bugs Baguglio shot Hoffa. The body was brought back to New Jersey and buried there. Also, we teamed up to investigate Frank Capola. He is the son of Moscato Sr.'s business partner who says his father, Paul, buried Hoffa in the dump in Jersey City, known as Moscato's Dump, back in 1975. For you, how did it all start with Moscato and with Moscato's Dump and the uh, potential that Hoffa was definitely brought here to New Jersey and buried? Well, the way I look at it is that the three act, the, the, the Hoffa murder is a three-act drama with different characters in each act. Act one, Hoffa goes to the Red Fox restaurant. He's picked up by person's unproven. He's taken in Act 2 to uh, someplace where he's murdered by presumably Sal Bergoglio. In Act 3, he is taken someplace and he's disposed of. Now, we have a firewall of a informant in 1975 named Ralph Picardo who said that, who, who had learned from one of the co-conspirators in the case, Steve Andretta, allegedly, that Hoffa had been murdered in Detroit he had been stuffed into a 55-gallon drum, loaded onto a gateway transportation truck, and shipped to New Jersey. When Picardo was pressed in 1975 as to where he thought Hoffa was in New Jersey, he speculated that it was Moscato's dump in Jersey City. And so there was a grand jury in, in December, on December 4th, 1975, and during this grand jury, there was there, the, the alleged killers of Jimmy Hoffa, the Bergoglio brothers and the Andretta brothers, appeared before the grand jury, and the FBI did a search warrant on Moscato's Dump, but it's a 54-acre place, it's huge, it's toxic, it's dogs and rats and quicksand, <laughs> and so it was, you know, hell on earth. And plus it was December, so the ground was hard, and they didn't have a clue where to look. They had a search warrant for a guy they thought was murdered there and placed there, a guy named Armand Fogno, but really they were looking for Hoffa, but their search warrant was for Armand Fogno, and if they stumbled across Hoffa's body, well, so be it. But they didn't go anywhere. They dropped it, but it still was their best lead from their best source. Fast forward 2007. I was investigating um, a crooked judge down in Florida, and I was going through some paperwork, and the 
alleged payoff man to the judge was Philip Moscato. And I said to my partner at the time, I said, jeez, I said, uh, I know who this guy is. He always said, who is he? He says, uh, he says, um, he says he's up in, uh, he, this is the guy from the Hoffa case, Brother Moscato. So my partner on this story says, what are you going to do? And I says, I'm going to go, to, I'm going I'm to call him up, see if he'll talk to me. So I picked up the phone. I called Mis- Brother Moscato, who's a, um, a soldier in the Vito Genovese crime family. And I asked him if he'd see me. And he said, sure, come on up. So he couldn't have been nicer. I went up, and we spoke. And in the midst of the conversation, he basically told me that Hoffa's body was at Brother Moscato's dump. And so I stayed in touch with him. And as I'm fond of saying, he would give me information about the Hoffa case with the frequency that a kosher butcher gives out (laughs) pork chops. But he did give me a lot of information, such as Vito Giacalone was driving the car, not Chucky O'Brien. Let me just say Vito, Tony Jack's brother, Tony Jack Giacalone, uh, head of the Detroit Mafia at the time. Exactly. Well, he was was certainly a top guy in the Mafia, and he was related to Tony Provenzano. and these were the two guys whom Hoffa believed that he was going to meet that day. Not Char- not Chucky O'Brien driving the car, as Frank Sharon uh, claims. Uh, right, but it was, Vito. It was a, a, according to according to Brother Moscato, it was Vito Giacalone, not Chuck O'Brien. And also, he made it clear to me that it was Sal Bergoglio who, in fact, did the murder, as Picardo had speculated earlier, because Tony Pro, as Picardo knew had the uh, had, had placed contracts on Hoffa either in late 1973 or early 1974, according to what he told the FBI. And so he believed from that that it was Sal Bergoglio who had the contract on Hoffa. Anyway, in the midst of can, can all my conversations... Just for one second, let me just stop you on Sal Bergoglio. Because yeah. uh, of the Irishman, the Frank Sharon story, my previous uh, reports about Frank Sharon. Uh, Bergoglio... Can you also say where else he's named? We have a uh, Department of Justice document from 1976 that mentions uh, that says Sabaguglio uh, organized it and reported back. So there's more than just uh, that one claim from Picardo that Bergoglio was the actual shooter. Right. I mean, I had, you know, I had interviewed, uh, of course, I had interviewed Sal Bergoglio and Steve Andretta and Tom Andretta and Gabe Bergoglio uh, at an interview in 1976. And I had three and a half hours on tape with Steve and uh, and Sal. And uh, And they denied it. These guys were even acknowledging that they were being blamed, that Steve, uh, that Sal in particular was being blamed for the Hoffa murder as well. I mean, he acknowledged it. I mean, he knew that he was the epicenter of that particular investigation and he was accused of being the the hitman in in the case so do you, do you um, think do you think sal in your view do you think sal baguglio was the actual shooter oh no no doubt of my mind i mean i i believe this since december 3rd uh 1975 i believe sal was the killer and Nothing, including my three and a half hours of interviews with them that day in October 1976, and the three subsequent interviews I had with them right up to the month before he was murdered in March of 1978. Uh, I, I've never swayed from that. I've always believed that Sal Bergoglio was the killer since Picardo stepped up and gave his information, and, and the Bergoglios and the Adrettas appeared before the federal grand jury in Detroit on December 4th, 1975. What makes you so certain and uh, that it was Bergoglio? Information I've received from numerous sources. I mean, I've interviewed, you know, I am Ahab and the Hoffa case is my white whale, and I have, I have interviewed so many people on this thing. 
people uh, in the mob, outside the mob, in law enforcement, outside law enforcement, most, you know, always credible people with whom I relied upon for information. And all the information I had indicated that Sal Bergoglio was the hitman. You and I, I mean, the thing I always credited you with was that whenever you did what, going back to 2004, and we've been friends for 15 years, since 2004, where you invited me to come into the situation with Charlie Brandt. And, you know, to your credit, you always cut me into the action. You always allowed me to be the fly in the ointment on this thing. And it's one of the reasons why I always liked you and trusted you and respected you is that you always were looking at the other side of this thing. You always had an open mind and were a good journalist in that you were always trying to you were trying to figure out what happened. You always had a genuine interest, and in, 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 and I felt a camaraderie with that because there are, there aren't a lot of people who do what we do, and that is kind of the beauty of what we've been doing for the past four months. I mean, you and I, Thank looking you. at the three-act drama with different characters in each act, I mean, you and I have focused for the past four months on trying to solve Act 3 of this case. I mean, Act 1... We don't know exactly what happened. We, we, we haven't developed a lot of new information about that. Act 2, we all have our different theories about that. But Act 3, you and I are on the verge of possibly solving Act 3. And if we solve Act 3, that's gonna, it's going gonna, it's gonna to turn the case in a very interesting direction because it's going to corroborate what Ralph Picardo said. And it's going to corroborate what, uh, what Phil Moscato told me and it's going to corroborate what Phil Moscato told his son, because after Phil died, and I, put, uh, I, I, I contacted a member of the family, and I said, listen, you know, I know you know. I know you talked to Phil, and I like these people. I mean, I respected him. I mean, he's a mob guy, but, I mean, I respected the guy. He's a stand-up guy. He never hurt me. He, he you know, he, he didn't give me everything I wanted out of him, and I tried very hard right up until his death. But I, I went to the family member, and I said, I know you know. And the family member said, uh, all I knew was Vinnie Ravo. And I said, who's that? I had never heard of Vinnie Ravo before. And the source said, he's connected. And then I said, anything else? And the source said, a miniature golf course. And so uh, the source said, let me introduce you to Phil Jr. So I met, the, I met Phil Jr., um, I had met him one time earlier when I was with his father. We didn't get along very well. But this time he seemed to be a little more cooperative, but, you know, he was distracted with his business and everything else. And a couple of years, a year or two later, he called me, and we started talking. So this had been 2015, 2016, and we started talking, and he wanted to cooperate. Um, Phil Jr. then said that he had a conversation with his father shortly before he died. And in the midst of that conversation, Phil Sr. told Phil Jr., here's what happened to Hoffa. This is where Hoffa is. And continue to work with Dan because you can trust him. And so on the basis of that, Phil Jr. and I started working together. And I had I had notified Phil Jr. that I was going to be on your show. And I said, listen, Eric Sean is a good guy. And, you know, we ought to think about maybe working with Fox because Fox is the only game in town. I mean, you know, Eric is at the epicenter of all of this stuff because of his connection to, you know, Charlie Brandt. And I heard you paint houses, his connection to what the, the events which led to the eventual 
production of The Irishman, which was at that point was uh, you know coming up, and and so little did I know that that Phil shortly thereafter dealing with some other people wound up talking to you. Yes, I got a, a, a and Facebook message, and we go through this in, in our program. Had that not happened. I still would be meandering with Phil in Nowheresville, <laughs> as we had been for years. It was you bringing your expertise and your resources well, you. into this, which really, you know, supercharged this thing. It, it got us to the point where we were. Plus, you called me, and you invited me into your action. Well, thank you. Which was um, which was the right thing to do, and which was you know which was a very Eric Sean thing to do. In that well, it was you. something that I liked, I respected. And I admired about you Thank that you. You, were, I, you were able to do that. And I think we've done good work together yes. over the past well, four well, months. And while we're patting each other on the back, I want to point out that you are, uh, in my view, you are the most prominent Hoffa uh, investigator in the, in the country, having started this in 1974, which is why this could not have been done without you. And as our audience can see in our program, Phil, I think, is heartfelt. He finally decided to be interviewed, agreed. Uh, went out to several spots, uh, will not s- publicly reveal as of the time of this taping where it is. Uh, I, I sense a man, Dan, who is trying to carry out his father's wishes in the best way that he can to get the information out, but in the proper way. Do you have the same sense, or or am I off base, that here's a guy who's had this, this secret for five years dealing with you, had to process it, think about it. It's not just something that you, you know, uh, our audience, think about your father telling you this unbelievable secret. I mean, what do you do with it? Where do you go? It takes time to get it out and you want to make sure it's handled correctly. Is that an appropriate uh, viewed perspective, do you think, of Phil, uh, that he has finally come to this spot to sit down with us, tell us his information? We had been, again, when Phil, Phil had given me enough clues where I was able to figure it out, and that's where I figured out the 200 Outwater location. Uh, and this was like in 2016, 2017, I guess. And and he was very upset when I when I got the location. He was very upset. I had gotten aerial photographs of it. It looked like a very foreboding area, you know, fencing, barbed wire fences, and everything else. But once again, it wasn't until you and I got together that I was able to actually go to that place. And we went to that place, and and the fencing was down, the barbed wire was got down. The place was, you know, it was it was still kind of a shabby place, but we were able to get access to it. And and Phil was with us when when we went there the last time. Phil was with us, and he had been very cooperative. He'd done a very very good interview with you. You were great at chilling him out the night before and calming him down, and he was uh he was in a very cooperative mood that day my problem is is what did his father say to him because because brother moscato had told his son on february 6 2014 10 days before he died about this hoffa thing that you know clearly phil was upset about his father his mother was in pieces the family had things to do he had responsibilities and it wasn't until two years later that he, he was alone, he was uh, having a few drinks, he was house-sitting, and then it sort of came to him like uh, a revelation that this connection between what Vinnie Ravo told him way back when after the night of parting at the bench and what his father told him 
in February of 19, of 2014, suddenly he had put those two things together and had come up with Hoffa's body. Vinnie Rabel never mentioned Hoffa's body. His father did. And when he came up with that conclusion, and again, I do not know what his father told him, and I'm very curious to find out what that is, that's when Phil called me and said, okay, let's do something here. This thing is not over until the DNA says it's over. You and I are investigators. We have credible leads that we are investigating. I think we are the only two people probably in the country who are actually going out, actually looking for a solution to Act 3. I don't think the FBI is doing it because the FBI is snake bit in this thing. But clearly we need law enforcement in this. But we are we are doing our jobs as investigators by going out and look. But because of the snake bit of the law enforcement community where they've done all these searches for, for no results, what we have to do is we have to try to attract them with our information mm-hmm. to come into this situation and help us prove or disprove what we believe yes. to be at the very least, interesting. That, and yes. that's what we're doing. That's what you and I have been doing for the past four months. Yes. And that is going to be a lasting contribution for Ho- us. Hopefully this will lead to a dig. Uh, you got to 200 Outwater one way. I got it at it, as the viewers will see, through the, the uh, mob connections and people who, uh, the, the local mobsters who were, uh, and the fact that uh, it, a mob body was dumped, as the viewers will see in our show, uh, at that site in 1988. Uh, separately from this, there's also another story, uh, which has to do with what happened when the body got to the dump. And that was, uh, Frank Coppola, uh, who you have interviewed and we, and, and, and so, and I've interviewed, um, which is a pretty compelling story. He's, and he was so specific and apologizing as our viewers will see, in terms of his father saying that the body was brought in and he had to turn it upside down to put it in the barrel. Right, uh, right. That, that's really, that's a breathtaking story. That is, like I said, I, with Phil's story, the big piece of the jigsaw puzzle that's missing is what did his dad tell him? That's the thing that really both puzzles and concerns me. What did his father say? Um, and you, you know, you, I have to know that before I embrace this. Yeah. The whole point of this all has been to try and solve the case and uh get law enforcement actually to dig uh dig because we can't do it we'd be breaking a lot of laws and plus both areas (laughs) that we're in that's criminal trespass yes both of it we've engaged in criminal trespass in both of these places yes i've asked i asked one of the 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 real estate representative for one of the locations for us to take ground penetrating radar and and the guy on the phone said i'm not i'm not going to go and tell the uh, owners of the land that and and that Hoffa could be buried there. So, yes, we can't go that way. But let me finally get to this point. The whole point here, uh, Dan, is to solve the case. You've got the Hoffa family, Barbara Cranser, retired judge, Jimmy Hoffa's daughter, James P. Hoffa, president of the Teamsters. They have been living this nightmare, which has now been raised again with this film, their whole life. And they want this solved. They want the answers. How close do you think we are after all these years, and you've been doing it longer than anybody, that we could potentially be on the verge of finally solving this? You know, I've given this a lot of thought. Like I said, we're investigators that we're investigating. The, both, of these, both of these leads are excellent leads. Because okay. when you and I have that very dramatic moment at the, at the diner where we exchange envelopes, you had 200 Outwater, outwater and I had 200 Outwater and 56 yeah. Patterson Plank Road. Yeah. 
because I, I wanted to make sure I covered both places. I was stunned when we came up with the same place. In fact, I was thrilled by that because because we were on the same page. We were on the same page yep, on this thing. Came up we were with moving the same, in the same direction. Same location. I mean, do you, at, to, to wrap it up, um, your sense is hopefully, this is my sense, I hope soon that authorities take this seriously. Credible evidence, I believe, and, and finally uh, a, a, a dig in New Jersey. Right. Well, I've, uh, Frank has executed a sworn statement. I, I've, uh, he, he executed it on October 7th. I have it. Uh, and he is prepared to uh, have me release that to law enforcement, and he is willing to cooperate fully with law enforcement on this. And I believe that Phil Jr. is basically saying the same yes. thing. Yes, yes. Uh, he is prepared to cooperate fully with law enforcement. Final thoughts now from Dan. Uh, I, I think we're close. I hope that I hope I think finally, so too. for the Hoffa family and for the nation. I hope I hope this can I hope to, I hope these efforts can potentially solve it. I I couldn't agree more. I I think that we have done some monumental work here, based on excellent information from excellent sources. I think we're on the verge of solving Act 3 of this case, and I think that is a real, genuine contribution to the knowledge about the Hoffa case. And it, comes, and it could have come at a better time with the backdrop of the Irishman and, uh, and the film fantasy, as I call it. But still, a great movie. It's, 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 it's Martin Scorsese's homage to Oliver Stone. Great cinema, bad history. You don't buy it. Of course not. No, no. I mean, yeah. you know, it's, if, if you understand the Hoffa case and you're watching The Irishman, although fascinating cinema, it's, it's really a laugh a minute. Let me just end with one point. You, you sat down with Robert De Niro a few years ago. What'd you tell him? I did. I did. I, I, I host uh, an author's dinner here in Washington. I have for I had two dinners a year for 30 years. And, um, and De Niro came to our dinner in December of 2014. He and I had several... Uh, had a couple of mutual friends, and he and I had a couple of things in common. And um, uh, one of them was this and the Hoffa case. And so I told him in the midst of our conversation when he was really bragging to me about how true this story was and how how this was going to be the real solution to the Hoffa case. And he was going around saying basically what Charlie Brandt was saying was, I, I have solved the Hoffa case, which is ridiculous. Nobody is saying that the Hoffa case has been solved. And so I told De Niro that he was being conned uh, by this by this situation, by this perpetrator, by this by this 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 fabricator, uh, Frank Sheeran. And as a consequence to all of this, there, there was a very it became a very a, a, what be, started out as a very friendly conversation wound up being a very contentious conversation. It went on for about 20 minutes. If I had more time with the guy, I would have taken it. But he did, really didn't know very much about the Hoffa case, other than what he read. In Charlie's book, and that's if that's the limitation of his knowledge of the Hoffa case, and he really doesn't know the Hoffa case. The feisty and formidable Dan Aldea, Dan and I, uh, we hope, on the verge of the final answers. Dan, thank you for your time. Thank Eric, you. thank you for cutting me into this thing. You've been, a, you've been a great partner in this thing, and I'm proud to have been working with you. Same here, my friend. You have been listening to Riddle, the podcast. Watch our show, Riddle, the search for James R. Hoffa, on our streaming service, Fox Nation and news reports on the Fox News Channel. Thank you for listening. I'm Eric Shaw.
Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.